to a new episode of the brand called You. Today we have with us a person who I admire, who I hold in very high esteem, Devin Narayan. Devin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ashutosh. Devin is from Sriram College. Uh, he's a scion of the Narang family, uh, founded in 1908. Uh, he has had businesses in sugar mills, distilling, brewing, and renewable energy. He was the executive chairman of Sab Miller from 1997 to 2012. And then he decided to form a company in, in energy, which is called Syndicatum Sustainable Resources. Devin, thank you again. Thank you. And tell us a little bit about your early family business um, because you were one of the biggest distilling companies and why you decided to exit. Yeah, so Ashutosh, I joined uh, family business right after motor school in 1981, mm -hmm. uh, part-time. And then I graduated from Sriram College in 84. I deferred an admission into, uh, at that point I'm Harvard and decided to join family business. Uh, this was because when I went to see one of the deans in Harvard, he said, his words were, son, if you were my son, I would go back and get some more work experience. Okay. And I haven't been able to go back ever since. Okay. But no regrets. Yeah. Uh, family business was a terrific experience. Yeah. At a very young age, I was thrown, oh, you know, there was a challenge operating a distilling and a brewing business and sugar mills in East UP. Mm -hmm. In those days, there were no telephone, no communication. So that was really uh, a very good, uh, you know, grounding for me. Uh, standing next to the boilers at uh, 48 degrees centigrade wow. trying to understand business uh, and I chose the distilling and brewing side where my cousin uh, started looking to sugar. Of course there were similar businesses because we made alcohol from the raw material of sugar mills which is molasses mm -hmm. and I also did a lot of stints by going to northeast uh, seeing how consumers drink. That whole experience was fantastic. Uh, but some of the other, this business was too political and being a family which had established principles and ethics, I decided to exit uh, the distilling and the brewing business in 2002, mm -hmm. uh, 2001 and 2002. Uh, we had, we were bottling for UB uh, and we were also had joined with some South African breweries. Yeah. So one fine day I spoke to my father and I said, uh, and I said to myself, do I want to do unproductive work 90% of the time? And I said no. And I decided to just exit one fine morning. Uh, that must have been a very, very difficult decision. Well, it was uh, it was a very emotional decision because, uh, you know, family which has been in business since 1908. Yeah. My great-grandfather who was knighted and was uh, really a pioneer uh, in, in, his, in those days to set up a business uh, and we had a fairly large uh, business of not only distilling, brewing, pre-partition was also banking and insurance, which mm -hmm. got nationalized. Mm -hmm. So it was emotional. I took a decision with, uh, with my father. My father was very clear. It's your baby. You do what is right. And we exited. And, uh, you know, that was it. And, you know, I needed something to do. So I did some M&A, worked with, for some friends who you also know. Uh, and then I decide to go into renewable energy. Okay. So talk to us a little bit about renewable energy. What is happening in this space of energy? So my initial year in renewable energy was a bit unfortunate because, uh, you know, uh, and it was a disaster, it was a failure. And I, 
I take it very humbly that I uh, fail because not everything succeeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was a handheld uh, business of torches, which actually I got stuck in the 2008 crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, the company had to close down. But the good part was that I met Syndicatum, which was promoted uh, by a gentleman called Asad Dasuk. Uh, and I joined them in 2012 and it's been a very interesting and a satisfying journey ever since then. Mm. Uh, Renewable Energy is here to stay and uh, what we currently do is that in India we invest in solar plants. We have a business, uh, we have a joint venture with a company where we convert their uh, sugar mills bagasse into steam and electricity Mm -hmm. which is called sugar cogent. Uh, we are Syndicatum, uh, the company of which I now head in India, is the biggest investor in India in the cogen space, so especially in the state of UP. You've gone back to sugarcane again. Yeah, you know, something which happened, you know, but I knew the industry so well yeah. that we, uh, you know, took a plunge in that and that comes with its own challenges. Uh, and in, as you said, what is happening in renewable, we are in syndicatum is invested in Philippines, Indonesia, Thailand, and so India. before that, tell us, you know, we've got a lot of young people who watch <coughs> our podcast. What is renewable? It's basically a source of energy which is renewable, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, which is not fossil f- fuel based. Okay. Uh, fossil fossil fuel would be the coal and the oil based uh, uh, sort of fuel and hydrogen. Would that be renewable? Hydro? Yeah. Uh, hydro, uh, well, yes, in, a, in, okay. in run of the rivers uh, is, is, is uh, renewable. Government is also not, if, in my opinion, it is renewable okay. because it's a source of water which is uh, replenished mm-hmm. and you don't harm the environment. Okay. Although large hydro projects leads to a lot of displacement. Uh, you've got to cut trees and you've got to, uh, you know, uh, displace villages and people, yeah. which doesn't... Um, doesn't go well in our philosophy, in our group's philosophy now. Uh, but uh, the small hydros and all are all renewable. You know, technically and then there is solar and wind. There's solar, wind, there is biomass to power, biomass which is what, power, which, which is, is the waste, waste to energy. Yeah. Uh, there is uh, geothermal, there is uh, new technologies which are coming up. Uh, so there's lots of exciting things happening in this sector. So what is, you know, as a country, we have traditionally been energy deficient. Yes. And now what I read, and I'm not an energy expert, but what I read is that we are in large parts of India, um, energy surplus. How correct would that be? Uh, You know, first of all, if every Indian was to have power Mm 24-7, 365 days of the year, we do not have surplus of power. We are still very, very deficit okay. in power. Okay. Uh, surplus in pockets in certain states, again, if if they have, if they are able to give the citizens of that particular state power 24-7, 365 days of the year, and they declare surplus, yes, it, it okay. is surplus. Okay. But I don't believe we are surplus in electricity in the, com- in the country as yet. Okay. However, I must say, that the current government has done, I mean, they've done 
I, I can't even, I don't even have the words to provide electricity to the last, uh, to the last village in the country, yeah. which had never seen electricity for 70 years. Correct. Credit goes to them. Uh, credit goes to the previous minister, uh, Mr. Piyush Goel, and I, obviously credit goes to our prime minister, yeah. Yeah. who's done an exceptional yeah, job, and the current minister now, Mr. R.K. Singh, uh, making electricity energy available to almost everybody. So, with, you know, when so much energy is being produced in so many new areas, and you think we are reaching a place where we may sooner than later become energy surplus, what will it do to energy prices? So, what is energy surplus? Let's try and understand this. Let's look at a small village uh, uh, in any part of the country which ha never had electricity. Now, you give him light and you give him some amount of electricity so the children can study and the housewife can do some uh, some work or the husband can do some work, you know, extra work to get some extra income. As the disposable income and the economy of that village starts changing, as they started, start getting more electricity there and more uh, sort of disposable income, the demand for electricity goes up. So now they want to buy a television set Correct. because they couldn't see television earlier. The next is that they want to buy a fan. The next would be they may, may want to buy a fridge. So the demand for uh, energy doesn't go down. It's it actually going up. So, and we are nowhere as compared to US and the rest of the uh, West in terms of consumption or usage of electricity. So, this journey has started yeah. and this journey is not going to end very soon. So, as the aspirations go up, so will the demand for energy and therefore we see the next 5 to 10 years that there is a, a insatiable demand for electricity uh, which, is, which is going to take place in India. So let's come to syndicated now. You know, syndicated you said is focusing on uh, sugar. Uh, well, not so much sugar now. We are mainly focusing on solar in India. Okay. And we do solar and wind in Philippines, solar in Indonesia, and also looking at solar now. We had a very big la landfill to gas business in Thailand, which now we moved. We are looking at solar now in Thailand. Okay. So uh, what exactly are you doing in India now? I mean, you know. I keep hearing some incredible targets of 800 gigaton, gigawatts. No, or something. Our targets are uh, very aggress aggressive. Uh, it'll take time to achieve those targets. Uh, Rome was not built in a day. Sure. Uh, the demand side also has to be seen. Uh, you know, we can keep producing power. Somebody has to buy. Somebody has to consume. Uh, so there, there are challenges within the system. Uh, so, what, what we do in India, our strategy is that we buy operating cash flow. That means you set up a solar project and you want to exit mm -hmm. at a valuation which meets our hurdle rate, we go and buy you out and we run the particular plant till the life of the PPA. So that's what we do in India. We okay. don't do greenfield green in India as yet. Okay. So, you mean if there is, there are some solar entrepreneurs out there and if they're looking for funding, they can come to you. They can come to us, but we take operational control. Okay. We don't take minority uh, positions. So okay. we, we, and that is the expertise which Syndicatum brings to the table in terms of management, in terms of a strong balance sheet, yeah. in, in terms of creating more value and in terms of plant performance. So again, you know, Devin, coming back to you as an individual, after a, such a big 
family, old family in multiple businesses. You said banking, alcohol, distilling, everything else. Why energy? Why not? Why didn't you go and set up a big steel plant? You know, that's a good question. So when I exited my distilling and brewing business and in my own area, I used to see kids studying under street lampposts. And it was really very sad. And some of these kids did excel in school as well. And if you historically see a lot of outstanding, um, whether it's bureaucrats or uh, politicians or uh, scientists, have all come from very humble backgrounds where there is a hunger in their belly Correct. to study. Yes. And that I could see in the kids over there. So I said, this is one of the areas where India, 60% of Indians didn't have access or intermittent access to electricity then. Mm. So I said, this is an area which is going to grow naturally. And why don't we look at, in, why don't I look into renewable energy? So I did my sort of homework and I chose renewable energy okay. to be, uh, you know, next step in my career. And, and that is also a green uh, sector. This is also a green sector. So for me, a quality of life and quality of my children and now grandchildren is extremely important. It's very core to me. Mm. And I think if quality of life has to improve, then renewable energy has to be there. Correct. We have to think differently. Correct. So let's spend a few minutes talking of nuclear. You know, some countries like Japan have almost entirely stopped all their nuclear plants and countries like India are still making investments in more nuclear plants. Why is there dissonance uh, there between? So Japan's reasons are well known to everybody. Now, if you look at France, I think 97% of French electricity comes from nuclear. Now, you have to understand that for solar and wind to be successful in India, you need base load power. Solar base load power? I'll explain to you. So, so, base, so for example, coal. Coal is base load power. It's powered 24-7, 365 days of the year. It is not dependent on either the wind or the sun or any other raw material. Solar is peaking hour. When you have the sunshine, solar will work. Unless, of course, storage becomes more affordable. Wind generally works in certain pockets in the country. So I, if you say that put a windmill in Delhi, it's not going to work. Because you need a certain amount of draft, you need a certain amount of velocity. Uh, nuclear is again base load power. Okay. And in my own opinion, I have nothing against, this is my personal opinion, nothing against nuclear. Because A, it is really not based on fossil fuel. And if properly handled, uh, France has done it, uh, US has done it, Russia has done it, other parts of the world have done it. Uh, I believe correct precautions, it is manageable and in any case, the nuclear in India is going to be a very small part of the whole uh, power sector. Right, right. That's, that's interesting. So, one last question for you on power before we move on. Um, despite so much power being generated, I mean, you know, when I was, just started working for ITC Transfer to Calcutta, we used to get a schedule there on so-and-so yeah. day, 12 hours, you yeah. will not get power. Yeah. Now we're sitting in Haryana, which is supposed to be a power surplus state. Yeah. But even now, five, seven times a day, uh, the power goes. Do you think in the foreseeable future, we can have stable power like you see in the West? Oh, absolutely. If you look at Gurgaon, you'll be shocked that the entire Gurgaon runs on DG sets. Yeah. You know, 
but yes, as as so, the challenge is that you may you may generate power. Mm -hmm. You have to evacuate the power and transmit the power. Yeah. So, government is doing a lot of work on evacuation and transmission. There are challenges. For example, in a certain state in UP, the transmission losses are thirty five percent. Which, if you look at Finland, the transmission lo uh, transmission losses are less than two percent. So you have to think differently. There are power thefts happening, and it's not a secret. You yeah. know, uh, everywhere it, you see a little hope. Yeah, so it, it does happen, mm -hmm. but with technology, those are going away. Okay. Uh, and I am a firm believer that anything which you get free in life has no value. So power has to be priced correctly for the citizens to consume, and everybody must pay for power. I am not a believer that there should be free power to anybody because it's misused. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I was reading somewhere that the price of solar is down to some two rupees sixty paisa or something per unit. Yes, uh, I mean uh, some sugar developers have gone very aggressive, two sixty. Mm -hmm. I believe it is not sustainable, in my own opinion. Uh, the, uh, and I, I think there will be an upward shift in pricing, uh, with rupee being uh, depreciated, uh, and we have a safeguard duty on solar modules. So there needs to be a correction, uh, I think. Uh, uh, but you know what has happened is that price has been established, and a mindset around that price has been established. So it's very difficult for policy makers to understand that if there's an increase in price. It doesn't affect them much, but at the same time, you have to see that the balance sheet of developers is also healthy. Correct. Otherwise, you you'll get into Otherwise, an NPA situation yeah. uh, three to four years from now. Correct. Now, why would they invest? Correct. So, I think this correction will take place. I am positive uh, that we have uh, a government and minister and a and a system working which recognizes this fact. So, it it correction would happen. Hopefully, should happen. Well. Good luck to you. I mean, I sincerely hope. I don't think anyone really worries about whether it is three rupees or four rupees or five rupees a unit. They just want to make sure they have power. They have quality Correct. power, which I mean, means that my devices can run without a absolutely. problem. And, you know, so absolutely, fantastic. So, David, now moving to the second part of our interview, which is you know some advice, your thoughts on startups. I know that you know after a big family business, you did your own startup. Which you just said did not work, and then you got into another big entity. And I'm sure you have invested in several startups. Uh, what are some of the mistakes startup entrepreneurs make? So you know, let me tell you uh, my experience. So first of all, you have to understand that I inherited a family business. You know, it was not something which I started. Right? So I got into a system which I tried to improve, and yes, we were doing reasonably well. But I chose to exit, sure. and the startup which I started actually uh, w went down. Mm. And then I chose to become a professional, Correct. which was very interesting. Uh, and my psyche still is of an entrepreneur, uh, really. Yeah. You know, I think think like that. Coming to your question, uh, if I look at my own failure, I think one of the mistakes I made was that uh, you know. Um, I took a decision without really looking at what is going to happen. The market was very good. I never anticipated the 2008 crash. I don't think anybody Nobody anticipated. Did. Nobody did. Yeah. So that was one. Second, I learned 
that running a business overseas is very tough mm. for Indians mm. because, you know, I'll give you a solid example of an employment contract. If you don't like somebody in your office, you call him and you say, listen, thank you very much. Here is your three months uh, salary or six months or one month and thank you very much. You can't do that in UK. Mm. You'll be shocked that there is a process you want to follow. I think they are more socialists in terms of employment contracts, the whole of Scandinavia, yeah, Europe, absolutely. than India. So that was a lesson which I learned. And of course, we did not do due, due diligence on the labor contracts mm -hmm. or on the, sorry, not labor contracts, on employment contracts mm -hmm. uh, with white collar workers, with the, with the team. So that was one of the things which was a bit of a, a setback for us. And uh, specifically, uh, speaking about entrepreneurs, uh, about startups, I think the important thing in startups is that if you are passionate about something, you will succeed. So you've got to follow your passion. That's very important. Mm. There is no compromise for hard work. There is no harm, uh, like in a YPO, having a forum-like discussion with like-minded people who can actually guide you mm. to see where you would go wrong. Correct. I think that is very important. Then, of course, I firmly believe that the blessing of your parents is very important when you're starting something new. Absolutely. Uh, the support of the ecosystem of your family is very important because initially an entrepreneur has to struggle. He doesn't have the disposable income to actually spend. So he needs to remain focused. And of course, I think uh, you need to be extremely lucky. You have to be the right place at the right time. If that doesn't happen, you'll have some a great startups which will fail because you just don't have... Uh, have the support or you, you are the, uh, you know, uh, at the right place at the wrong time or at the, you know, uh, wrong. I, I mean, product, these things, yeah. these yeah. things happen. And, you know, you have more experience, Ashutosh, in uh, starting uh, startups and uh, selling it off. Yeah, I so I think there are challenges. The challenges in India for startups. Uh, and yes, uh, I have not invested in many startups except I help my uh, two daughters uh, started for ice cream business yes. and my son is in cyber security so that is also something sort of you started but now they're on their own and they take their own decisions and they consult me when when yes. they need to consult me. So the entrepreneurial blood continues in the family? Uh, I think so. Wonderful. So you know staying again with startups uh, you know you and I know so many people who have done startups and we also know that Unfortunately, nine out of 10 startups don't make it. We had this very uh, high profile case of uh, a startup entrepreneur who took the extreme step because he wasn't able to manage yes. it. I've also believed that it's very important for startup entrepreneurs to understand the meaning of failure. You know, when you start, it doesn't mean that it's going to become a unicorn or an indicorn what are your thoughts on really being able to communicate how important failure is and how important it is to understand it? Asutosh, I think you're the only person who's ever asked me this question. And I had this debate with a, with a friend of mine in London a uh, couple of months ago, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Ashwani Mathur, and we were had a game of golf, came back, and he asked me a question that, you know, out of 100, you know, how many, I mean, what is the success rate? And uh, so I said, I think 40%. Is he the first person and actually success rate is only 30%, 70% is a failure. Yeah. So startups, 
will fail. Sure. Uh, uh, you've got to take it in stride. You know, it's like the US. So between US and India, there are two entrepreneurial countries. You know, people uh, set up businesses, they fail. But, you know, failure is rewarded in the US and failure is looked on in India. Yes. If you fail, they say, oh, he's failed. Mm. Without realizing that what he has gone through and the, his journey, he's failed. Mm. So, instead of encouraging him or motivating him, you will say, uh, you'll discourage him. But I think this, the... The entrepreneurial spirit in an individual should not be killed just because he's failed. Absolutely. I think he needs to be motivated because he's taken a plunge. And gosh, in an environment like India, to to uh, do a startup is remarkable. I, I mean, it's fantastic if you succeed. Uh, it's really fantastic. I agree. And you know, we need to be able to celebrate our entrepreneurs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Rather than say, oh, look at him, he or she failed. I mean, I'll give you an example. You know, when we were in school, we used to go and have chart in uh, Shaja Road or Bengali Market. I mean, those are entrepreneurs. Yeah. But did they have the vision to become a McDonald's? No. Did, I mean, Narulas could have become, in my opinion, the McDonald's of India. Yeah. But for whatever reason, it did not become, you know. So, you also have to have the drive and you have to have the vision to see a larger picture and follow your vision. And someone... To understand that vision and back you for that vision. The backing is taking place now in India. It did not happen 20 years or 30 years ago because the debt and equity was very scarce. Absolutely. So, you know, I've written an article and I've done one or two interviews on entrepreneurial depression. But that's a subject we will talk about. Okay. Get maybe a group of two or three people and talk about the big challenge entrepreneurs face. And it's a depression that they go through and nobody really bothers about them. But, uh, you know, but that's the beauty of our country. I'm talking about India. I mean, we have so many areas you can meditate. You have so much in our culture, in our literature, that getting out of depression is not difficult. Provided somebody guides you to that path. And I, I'm not saying that you uh, sort of, uh, you know, our scriptures... There's so much in our scriptures Absolutely. and you know, that gives you peace of mind and that makes you positive. So I've always learned from my failures and I've always been positive. I, I don't take a negative attitude to life, That's you know, and if you are positive and you think positively, positive things will happen. If you think negatively, negative things will happen. So David, now moving into the last segment of our show, which is direct questions to you. Um, question that I ask all my guests, uh, you know, because a lot of young people watch our show. Um, what has been your biggest learning from your biggest failure? I mean, I think I answered this question. Uh, become more positive. Just understand it was a phase in life which I had to go through. It's behind me. Move on. Okay. You know. So don't I, look back. Don't look back. When was the last time you did something for the first time? Okay. So, I'll tell you what. I ran a distilling business, but for 55 years of my life, I've never had alcohol. Okay. So, last year I decided uh, that, and due to, yeah. uh, I was in UK for some time. Uh -huh. And I chose to do, a, refresh my wine course, mm -hmm. uh, which I did for the first time. I did a full day wine course, which I had to actually pass an exam, mm -hmm. which I passed. Mm -hmm. 
a wine appreciation course in in London. And then I said, you know, what the hell? Let let's start. So I started enjoying a glass of wine now, which I never used to drink. Well, Only wine. I mean, no hard liquor, no. So that's the last time, you know, I suddenly that's, remembered. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, maybe I love my malts. <laughs> yeah. So maybe one day I'll get you to drink a malt with me. Oh, no, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, we spoke about entrepreneurs with all the experience that you have. Do you have any advice to uh, young entrepreneurs who are starting off on their journey? Uh, you know, remain positive. Believe in what you're doing. Remain passionate, uh, and of course, work on a positive EBITDA. Uh, and I think the world will move towards having a positive EBITDA rather than have a loss-making uh, company for the next ten years mm. and keep funding the losses. Although today losses are rewarded, yeah. but I think. Somewhere or the down the line, and I can of the news which is now coming up, I think there will be a correction. People will look at a positive cash flow. Correct. Thank you. Thank you. And final question, um, you know, family business, entrepreneur, professional manager. What next? No, I think uh, that I, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I, I love it. I get to meet different people. I get to learn a lot. I mean, I'm learning a lot from my company, current company, uh, from my board of directors. Uh, something which I would not have learned as a family business or as an entrepreneur. Uh, I'm meeting different people. Uh, there is a huge growth uh, in this in this field, uh, and uh, it's you know that at this moment that's my state of mind. Okay. I mean, things change tomorrow. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, nothing is permanent, sure. but sure. if things change, I don't know. At this moment, it's renewable energy for me, uh, at least for the time being. Fantastic. And good luck. So, Devan, thank you very much. Thank you, Ashutosh. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you. You've been, you know, very honest. You've spoken a lot. Your words of wisdom, I'm sure, will be thank appreciated you. by everybody who listens. Thank you very much. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Brand Called You podcast. Be sure to visit tbcy.in to join the conversation, access show notes, and discover fantastic bonus content. You can follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Simply search for the Brand Called You. Thank you, and see you next week.